And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. Tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of the Harold Lloyd comedy theater starring Dick Powell from 1944. Then Britt Reed and his faithful valet Cato solve another baffling crime on The Green Hornet from 1952. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? Hey, what's happening in Hollywood? So, the Grammys are around the corner. They are February 10th of 2019. Am I up for one? I think you are. Okay, good. Pretty sure. Two days prior to the Grammy ceremony, we have a ceremony called the pre-Grammys. And oh, I one- thought you were going to say there was something called the Pappies, since there was the Grammys. Yeah. No? So, anyhow, they give out an award at the pre-Grammy ceremony called Music Cares Person of the Year. Music Cares. Music Cares. It's okay. one word, but yeah. Music Cares. Oh, Music Cares. And the Music Cares is a charity event that raises money for the music community in times of financial, medical, or personal need. Mm. So each year they give this award to one person special. This year, for the first time, they're going to give it to a country performer, somebody that you know and I think that you love. Huh. So last year, a Fleetwood Mac received the oh, honor. I, love I know. Now yeah. this year it's it's a female uh-huh. uh country performer. Okay. Um she I'm trying to think she was inducted into the country Music Hall of Fame in 1999. Carrie Underwood? In 1999. Oh, 99. Okay, so she's a little oh, older yeah. than Carrie no. Underwood. She's got, I think, at least top 10 country albums. Dolly? Yes. I got it? Yes, you it's did. It's Dolly? It's Dolly Parton. Love Dolly. I know, I do too. She's awesome. She is. Yeah. So if you ever want to watch the pre-Grammys, you can see her getting and receiving It's called this the week. Pappies, right? Yes, the Grammys and the Pappies. All right, the Grammys and the Pappies. So, sounds like a group. That, uh, sounds that, like a... Sounds like a, a country music band. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so we're excited for her. Obviously, she's huge in uh, Foundation. Yeah, she's huge, she's all right. She's got the uh, Dollywood Foundation and very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, very good. Thanks, Great. Lisa. Thanks, Carl. All right. I'll get my widescreen TV ready to go for that. I can't you miss that. You should. Definitely ready to go for that. All right. Well, last time we began listening to the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater with True to Life, hosted by Harold Lloyd, starring Dick Powell, Victor Moore, and Rose. Rosemary DeCamp. Here's the conclusion now from November 12, 1944. Yes, sir, Link. One of the boss ain't never given anybody over a $2 raise, and he gave me 10 I'm in the upper brackets now. Oh, you deserved it, Pop. Well, I bet you if that donut machine of mine had worked, he'd given me 20 If only they'd have come out with holes in them. Mm. Yeah, that's too bad. I think we should have cocktails and some of those hoary dories before supper. Link, there's some place I want you to take me tonight. Where? Well, it's kind of a surprise, and if I tell you, you might not take me. Well, how about it? Well, of course I'll take you. Any place you say. (laughs) 
Well, you were pretty puzzled, weren't you, Link? Plenty. Bonnie wouldn't tell me a thing. She just kept saying, come on, come on, you'll find out. And then before I knew it, we were outside the apartment building where Fletch and I live. You were winning the spot. Uh, what did you do? Well, I tried to hang back, think of excuses, anything. But I was so busy trying to keep the doorman and the elevator boy from recognizing me that we were right in front of my apartment door before I realized it. Bonnie, my sweet, Hello. come in. There's a roaring fire, a bottle of champagne, just for the two of us. And baby makes three. Oh, oh yeah. So nice of you to have me up. Glad to see you, Mr. Marvin. Glad to see you. Hey. Got yourself quite a place here. Bonnie, I thought we had a date. I didn't know you were bringing Mr. Ferret along. Uh, Ferris is the name. Well, it's a nice dressing robe you're wearing, Mr. Marvin. Thank you. Were you just getting up or were you going to bed? <laughs> well, I uh, wasn't expecting I guess you uh... think it's pretty nervy of me, Mr. Marvin, to bring Link here. Oh, no, not you at know, all. You're always saying there's nothing you wouldn't do for me, and, and Link here sings very well. Uh, Link, uh, Mr. Marvin is a big radio executive, and maybe he could get you into radio. Well, think of that. <laughs> Honey, I never transact business at night. Oh, all I want you to do is to listen to Link sing. Oh, I'd be glad to. Good. Some other time. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Bonnie brought me here to sing, and I'm going to sing. Well, sir, there she was. Yes, there she was. But I... I did go to his apartment. I took you with me, didn't I? Yeah, but you made the date before you even asked me. Suppose I hadn't gone. You keep insinuating things, and so help me, I'll push you off the top of this bus. I warned you about that fellow. He's a wolf. You should talk. You go out chasing every night. I've told you a million times I don't go chasing. Should never have done anything for you in the first place. Maybe Mom's right. Nah, you're beginning to sound more and more like her. <gasps> I hate you. I feel like I'm going to cry. Well, go ahead, if it make you feel any better. Wouldn't give you the satisfaction. Then don't cry. Why don't you go to her? Oh, there is no her. There's only you. <gasps> now there. Are you satisfied now that you made me say it? Link, me? You mean you love me? Well, don't act so surprised. Oh, Link. Oh, darling. I can't wait to tell Mom and Pop. Mom, Pop, everybody, wake up. Well, what are you all doing up? We've been waiting for you, you and Mr. Ferris. What's the matter? Mr. Ferris, this is Mr. Mammal. I'm your Uncle Jake's lawyer, and we're suing you and Marvin, the advertising company, for a hundred thousand bucks. How do you like that, Mr. Ferris? What in the world are you talking about, Uncle Jake? Bonnie, Bonnie, whatever happens, I want you to know that I, I met every word I said tonight. Huh? Yeah, him and that Fletcher Marvin, they're friends. They've been spying on us. We got the radio fixed and heard the whole program. We're that crazy farmer family. You've been writing down everything we said and done. Spies, Gestapo. This isn't true, Link. Oh, it's quite true, Miss Porter. And he's going to pay. Yeah, funny. But, Link, you were broke. We, we tried to help you. Oh, I, I, I never said I was broke. Fletch and I just got started and it seemed to get out of hand. Yeah, you made me uh, an old crackpot with a lot of crazy inventions. And me, a nagging old hen. And me, a loafer. Positive defamation of character. You made a fool of me, you and Fletch. You've been laughing at me. Bonnie, tonight I practically asked you to marry me. That was on the level. Mr. Ferris, you're not welcome here. You better go. Yeah, go on. Is that the way you feel about it, Bonnie? How do you think I feel? Lying to me. 
Well, you even proposed to me just to get material for that, that radio program of yours. No, you can't believe that. I believe you're the lowest form of animal life, and I never want to see you again. Yeah, now Jake's the head man around here. I'll never get a break. I'm a lawyer, so... Well, Link, Bonnie would have nothing to do with either of you. And the porters sued. Uh, what about Mr. Twitchell? Well, Harold, when Fletch and I went down to see him the next morning, he seemed a little upset. Upset? Why, you blasted idiots, you've ruined Lemon and Twitchell. That's what you've done. I paid my good money for writers, creators, not a couple of peeping toms. Well, it was a good idea. It just backfired, that's all. Lawsuits, that's what I'm getting. You're fired, both of you. Then you'll never work again. I'll see to that. Now, 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 wait a minute. I think I've got it. Now, look, we'll stay on the air. Tell the public there is a farmer family, but their real name is Porter. Tell them that everything they've heard or about to hear is true. That's an admission of guilt. Sure, but you don't have a case anyway. So Fletch and I went on the air and told the truth. The program stood the country on its ear. Overnight, the Porters became famous. Yeah, I'll say we did. They took our pictures and people started coming to the house to meet us. We finally had to charge admission. In fact, the house is full of tourists when lawyer Mammal rushed in all out of breath. Mr. Porter, Mr. Porter, I've got great news. We're not suing for a hundred thousand. We're suing for a million dollars. A million dollars? Yes. Now, we've got a lot of papers to sign. Let's get this crowd out of here. Everybody out. Everybody out. Well, now, what's the trouble? There's no trouble at all. We're going to get a million dollars. A million dollars? Why? We can have a house in Long Island. Yeah. Better take care of this house first. I'm packed and leaving. But, Bonnie, where are you going? To the YWCA to live. But why? Because you've turned this house into a freak show. You're suing because they showed us up to be a bunch of screwballs on that radio program. Well, we're acting like screwballs, and I won't have any part of it. Goodbye. But, Bonnie, wait! Oh, my goodness. Oh, I know what's eating her. She's in love with one of those radio writers. Well, let her go. We've got just as good a case without her. Oh, have we? Here, give me those papers. Don't tear those up. Are you going crazy? Uh, Bonnie's right. I just realized it. We are a lot of daffodils if we claim that farmer family has hurt us any. Didn't they make me foreman down at the bakery? Ain't my picture on every bread wrapper? They've done us a favor. If you think we're going to pass up a chance oh, to make shut a... shut up, Jake. And Pop, you're right. And now, Mr. Mammal, we won't be needing you. No, go chase yourself an ambulance. Now, you look here. I put a lot of work on this case. And I... Well, send your bill to Jake here. He hired you. Do him. That's an idea. I wish you would to him. Why, you oh, can't... On your way, oh. on your way. Now, Mom, you go after Bonnie and bring her home. And I'll take care of that love situation. I ain't an inventor for nothing. But, Pop, that uh, love situation looks pretty hopeless to me. Oh, don't worry, Harold. Me and Mr. Twitchell fixed it up so that I could get the boys over to the house and get Bonnie to decide which one of them she was in love with. And broadcast it, too, on the radio. So from Maine to California, they'd know her answer. Broadcast it? Did Bonnie agree to that? Oh, Bonnie didn't know nothing about it. Neither did Link or Fletch. You see, them fellas from the radio station came here beforehand and put a microphone in a vase of flowers right on our own dining room table. Oh, it was exciting. And then when time came to go on the air, I just managed to get Bonnie up close to that vase. She didn't even suspect a thing when in walks Lincoln Fletch. Pop, 
What do you mean by bringing them in here? I don't want to see them. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, no, I don't. Well, if that's the way you feel about it. Oh, no, no, you don't. No, nobody leave this room until we talk everything over. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah, you're right. Let's get out of here. Now, now wait, boys. Bonnie, you know you're in love with one of these boys. Thirty million people out there are waiting for you to make up your mind. Now, which one of them are you going to marry? I'm not going to marry anyone. Is that clear? I won't stand for this. Now, just a minute. Just come back here to this table. I'm not through yet. You listen to me, Bonnie. Ever since the night Link left, you've been mooning around the house like a stray cat. Oh, I have not. Don't let her fool you, folks. Uh, what? I want to repeat that. Now, Bonnie, Bonnie, look, Bonnie, if you're just being stubborn, I want to repeat it. I, I love you. Yeah. Hey! Now we're getting someplace, folks. Are you feeling all right, Pop? Oh, look, Bonnie, Bonnie, let's not fight like a couple of kids. I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man in the world. Uh, Bonnie, does that mean you're going to marry Fletch? It does not. Really? Well, at least he's an improvement over you. Looks like she's proposing to you, Fletch. Doesn't it, folks? Well, uh, <clears throat> I'd consider it a very great honor, Bonnie, but... Uh... Bonnie, he's a Jekyll and Hyde. You wouldn't put up with him for a week, and he knows it. Uh, Link's right. You know, when night begins to fall, something happens to me. <clears throat> My fangs begin to drip. <gasps> Why, what do you mean? Well, he likes to prowl. Oh, wonderful. We'll prowl together. Hey, but Bonnie. Well, in that case, I'll leave you two love. Hey, uh, now, now, Link, wait a minute. Link! Now. Yeah, hey, come back here, Link. Wait a minute. All right, Bonnie, but let's stop this pretending. Are you going to marry me or not? Well, if you don't mind taking a girl who's almost been turned down. Whoopee! She's going to marry Link. I hope you folks listening in are as happy about this as I am. Whoopee! Hey! <laughs> My goodness, I broke your mother's best face. Pop, what's that microphone doing there? Why, we're on the air right now. <gasps> so you boys have been up to some of your old tricks. Why, you... Now, Bonnie, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. no, you Link Sarah, you lying, oh. cheating rascal. Oh, Bonnie, stop oh. it. Ouch, Bonnie, oh. Mom's best dishes. The boys didn't know anything more about it than you did. They didn't? Oh, Oh, Link, darling. Oh. Folks, this is Pop Porter signing off, saying, ain't it wonderful? <laughs> Mom and me started out the same happy way. And I never regretted a minute of it. Have I, Mom? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, up to now. Now, this is Harold Lloyd, Victor Moore, Dick Powell, and Rosemary DeCamp saying good night to you, and I hope you'll be with us again next Sunday. Through the Life was presented by arrangement with Paramount Pictures, producers of And Now Tomorrow. We thank the Fitch Bandwagon for the appearance of Dick Powell. Victor Moore is now making Duffy's Tavern at Paramount. And this is Bob Williams saying good night until next week. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's the Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater, November 12th, 1944. True to Life, hosted by Harold Lloyd, starring Dick Powell, and that was sponsored by Old Gold Cigarettes, although we did remove the cigarette commercials heard on the Blue Network. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's the Green Hornet. Stick around.
More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. It's time now for the Green Hornet from October 10th, 1952. This is called Keys to Robbery. It stars Jack McCarthy. Here is the Green Hornet. X-Tree, X-Tree, Sentinel X-Tree. Now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. Presents the Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Rick Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight. By the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure of Keys to a Robbery. The Green Hornet strikes again. The adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. Britt Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, had flown his seaplane to Miami, Florida for the newspaper publisher's convention taking place there. Michael Axford accompanied him, as did Reed's valet and friend, Cato. Reed confided in Axford. Since Miss Case and Clicker Benny are taking their vacation in Cuba, I thought perhaps we might fly over to see them before we return north. That's right. Havana's only an hour's plane ride from here, isn't it? Well, less than that. But the girls aren't in Havana. They've taken a beach cottage 50 miles from there, at Cardenas. So that's where we'll go, if we go. At that moment, a giant luxury yacht, the Quicksilver, was nearing the harbor of Cardenas. The vessel was the property of the notorious Floyd Hammond, and Hammond was in his cabin talking with a man named Rocky Pomeroy. Rocky, uh, what word did Bill Ferris give you when you left Miami last night? Oh, nothing directly, boss. But he sounded scared, kind of. Yeah? However, he said he'd go through with the arrangements you made last time he talked to you. Smart guy, isn't he? Wants to be sure he'll get his money in advance before passing over the route sheet for the money truck, eh? Uh, what are the arrangements, boss? He'll meet me tomorrow night in Cardenas at Louis' place. And once we get the route sheet, everything will go as planned, huh? Everything. When you've made your getaway, take the boat to that island, Palmetto Key, and stay there. I'll leave Cardenas tomorrow night. You'll signal this from the yacht when you get near the key, huh? Right. We'll bring the money out the yacht then and get aboard. But, boss, I've been thinking about Ferris. Yeah? 
You think he'll hold up once the cops and feds start grilling him? Don't worry about that, Rocky. He'll not tug. You sure? Yes, Rocky. Because before he gets a chance to talk, one of your men will kill him in Miami. Well, after he leaves Cardenas tomorrow night, you go to Havana and take the next regular flight to Miami. Wait until morning before you send a man. Early next afternoon, after a convention session, Britt Reed sought off Michael Axford in the lobby of their hotel. Axford, I want you to fly to Havana at once. Get a car there and drive out to Cardenas. Miss Case thinks she may have stumbled onto the makings of the story. See if she's right. I'd be glad to go, Reed. Axford arrived in Havana, then hired an automobile and drove to the small seaside town of Cardenas. There, after inquiry, he located the cottage where Lenore Case and the Sentinel's vivacious photographer, Clicker Binney, were staying. Miss Case, Reed's secretary, greeted Axford warmly. <laughs> Michael. Oh, it's good yeah. to see you. I'm glad you're here. Show my Casey. Where's Clicker? Here I am, Michael. When I heard you were coming, I decided it was too warm to bake a cake. So I just warmed over my heart for you. Ah, listen to her, will you? She made the Blarney Stone, that one. Both of you stop it. Michael's here on business, Clicker. Michael. Floyd Hammond's yacht is tied up at the dock here. Well, what's Hammond doing here? We haven't found out yet. Then let's mosey around town together and see if we can find out. Hammond knows you, doesn't he, Clicker? Oh, yes. I take his picture every time they arrest him. And take it again when the DA releases him for want of evidence. Well, it's getting late and the lights on the way to town aren't bright. So let's start, shall we? That's the first portion of the Green Hornet. More after these words. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to Gene Autry's Melody Ranch. Thank you very, very much, folks. Thank you. Well, Patrick? Yeah? What are you doing? Oh, uh, hi, Mr. Autry. I was just looking through my old family albums. The word is albums, not albums. You don't know your grammar. Word is all bums. You don't know my family. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. Uh, well. Say, by the way, who's this character with the goatee wearing the ventilated beanie? Oh, him? <laughs> oh, that's my cousin Bledsoe Halifax. He was a panhandler. So I see. But why is he holding two tin cups? Well, business was so good he opened up a branch office. <laughs> 
We never worried about him getting cold in the winter, though. Oh, is that so? No. Uh, How come? Well, sure. Seems every November, soon as it got cold, Cousin Bledsoe would drink three quarts of antifreeze. <laughs> well, you took after him. <laughs> and did that keep him warm during the winter? No, but it kept him unconscious till spring. <laughs> Well, shall we go on to the next page? Well, there's nothing on that and let's try. Let's try. <laughs> oh, look. Here's my Uncle Leopold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a mailman. Oh? Yeah. But unfortunately, one day he blew his whistle at a girl and got 17 years at hard labor. Just for blowing his whistle at a girl? Yep. He married her. <laughs> well, Patrick, I must say that you have quite a family. I'll say I did. And what's more, they're all bloodhounds. Or, I mean, uh, blue blood. <laughs> Facts is, you won't believe this, Mr. Artery, but I can trace my family tree clear back to George Washington. Now, wait just a minute there, bud. You mean to stand there and tell me <laughs> that you're related to the father of our country? Yes, sir. You see, it's like this. George Washington had a cousin called Clyde Washington. Clyde Washington had a son called Murgatroyd Washington. Murgatroyd Washington had a son called Melvin Washington. Melvin Washington had a son called Studebaker Washington. And Studebaker Washington's son was my father's cousin's washwoman's boy, twice removed. (laughs) Then how come your family's name is Buttram? Are you kidding? We had to do something to get out of that rut. I can't recall my mother, I don't remember dad. Mr. and Mississippi was all I ever had. Oh, I was born to wander, I was born to roam. And Mr. and Mississippi made me feel at home. Oh, I was born to wander, I was born to roam. Mr. and Mississippi made me feel at home. My cradle was the river, my school a riverboat. My teacher was a gambler, the slickest one afloat. My teacher was a gambler, the slickest one afloat. He taught me not to gamble on a petticoat. Oh, I was born to wander, I was born to roam. Mr. and Mississippi made me feel at home. Oh, Betty May, I love you, I love you, Betty May. Just like a barefoot laddie loves a summer day. The way a wandering gypsy loves the changing seas. Just like the restless river loves old New Orleans. Oh, I was born to wander, I was born to roam. Mr. and Mississippi made me feel at home. I'd love a tiny village, a quiet country town, a house, a little garden with kiddies running round. I'd be a faithful husband, I'd be a trusting friend, until I heard that steamboat 
coming around the bend. Oh, I was born to wander, I was born to roam. Mr. and Mississippi made me feel at home. Mr. and Mississippi made me feel at home. Mr. and Mississippi made me feel at home. Thank you very, very much, friends. Thank you. Hey, uh... Hey, what? Hey, uh, I just read a poem on the subject of the common cow. Would you like to hear it? No. Good. As long as you're undecided, I'll just go ahead and read it. <laughs> poem, In Defense of the Common Cow. Arise and take pity on the lowly cow. Her life is really a drag. For no matter how hard the cow tries to please, she's always left holding the bag. <laughs> Look, Ogden, <laughs> suppose we just drop the whole subject, huh? Why? Because I'm going to tell a story, that's why. About a cow? No, no, it's not about a cow. However, Pat, it did happen one spring just after our annual county livestock show, and that's where this story begins. The show that particular year had been a big success. In fact, the Cattlemen's Association had netted close to $3,500. At any rate, the receipts were all in cash. And, since I was association treasurer, they picked me to take the money over to deposit at the Center City National Bank. That was on a Monday morning. By Monday noon, I was just going through Crater Pass when all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, a voice said, Hold it, cowboy. Reach for a cloud. Oh, oh, champ, oh. Hey, what is this? Never mind the question. Just get down off that horse. Make it fast. Okay. With that gun in your hand, I guess I have no choice. That's better. Get his saddlebag, Frisco. Right, Art. Well, you know, Arthur, you ought to thank us. We're just saving you from making that long trip to Center City. Thanks. I remember that. I got his saddlebags, Art. Come on, let's get out of here. Wait a minute. What's the matter? First, I want to personally say goodbye to our friend here. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. So long, sucker. <laughs> Pleasant dream. All right, Frisco, let's head for Chula Vista. <laughs> dead men don't talk. And that one is plenty dead. Well, Patrick... Needless to say, the bullet missed its mark, thanks to a trick an old-timer once showed you. All you do is watch the trigger finger of the guy that's doing the shooting. When it starts to squeeze, you roll your body out and down. That way, if you're lucky as I was, you get off with a flesh wound in your arm or shoulder. At any rate, I laid there on the ground and waited until two or three of them rode off. Then, with what little strength I had left in me, I had managed to pull myself up across Champ's back, give him the reins, told him to head back home. Several hours later, when I finally came to, I was lying on my own bed. My arm was in the sling, and Johnny was standing over me. How you feel? Oh, hi, Johnny. Who put this thing on me? Oh, Doc Tipton. He'll be back a little later. Say, what happened, anyway? Well, I'm a little vague about it all myself. 
I just remember two guys with masks on stopping me up in Crater Pass and taking the association's money. After that, one of them took a shot at me and left me for dead. Well, all I can say is it's sure lucky you ain't dead. That slug just missed your heart by inches. Yeah, I know. You feel like eating anything? No, not right now. Saddle up our horses, will you? Saddle up our horses? What for? I'll tell you after we get on our way. But, Gene, you can't go riding around with that bullet hole in you. The doc said you were supposed to rest. Who are you working for, me or Doc Tipton? Okay, okay. You make up your mind. I know better than try and change it. Where are we going? Back up to Crater Pass. Take a look around. I'm going to find those two guys if it's the last thing I ever do. And next time, I'm going to be on the business end of the gun. Let's see now, Johnny. If I remember right, it was somewhere right along here in that... Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter? They're on the ground. Hmm? Looks like part of a match folder. Well, so what? Anybody riding through here could have dropped that. Now, think again. It rained hard yesterday, didn't it? Yeah. Then if this match cover had been dropped before today, it would either be all wet or faded. One of the two. Holy suspenders. It sure would. Uh, what's it say on it? Uh, can you make it out? Not very well. It's torn down the middle. In fact, all that's left are the letters CK, and below them, the letter T. Not much to go on, is it? Not right now, it isn't. But it might be when we get to Chula Vista. Chula Vista? What are we going there for? Well, I just happened to remember something else. After that guy shot me and thought I was dead, I vaguely recollect him saying something about Chula Vista. Come on. Okay. But look, uh, couldn't going over there wait till tomorrow. Old Doc Tipton's going to be awful sore when he comes back and finds you ain't there. Now, don't worry about that. I'll take care of all the blame. I... Well, what's the matter now? Hold it a second. Well, what for? Look again, in the dirt. Well, I'll be, it's a rowl from a spur, ain't it? Sure is, Johnny. One of those heavy Spanish kind. Hey, you suppose that might belong to one of them guys that held you up to? I don't know for sure. But I'll tell you one thing we're going to find out. Let's go. It was 8 o'clock that night before we finally rode into Chulawalla, a small, hot border town that had a reputation as a lawless hole and lived up to it. Anyway, as soon as Johnny and I had put our horses up, checked into the local hotel, cleaned up, then went out looking for a place to eat. We never found one, though, because just as we came around the corner from our hotel, I saw a lighted sign with a CK on top and a T below. The full name of it was the Black Cat. Yeah, cowboy, what'll it be? Glass of water. And a little information, if you can give it to me. Here's the water. You get information by calling the operator. Wait a minute. Yeah? Are these your matches? Look, mister, if you want to play guessing games, come back after the place closes. I'm busy right now. Okay. Just one more question, though. Yeah? Have Art or Frisco been in lately? Who's Art or Frisco? Never mind, I'll ask the operator. Here you are, keep the change. Thanks.
Take it easy, Joe. I saw him. You mean that's the same? Yeah, that's the same cowboy me and Frisco left for dead this morning. My aim must be getting bad. I told you you shouldn't have come here. Now the whole... Shut up. Get back to your bar. I'll take care of the rest. Oh, sure. That's what you said this morning. Shut up, I said. Frisco's out following him now. See where he's staying at. When he does... I'll take care of Mr. Autry. And this time, for good. In the meantime, Pat, Johnny and I had eaten dinner and gone back to our hotel room. It was still hotter than a paradise on the 10th pass. So, we turned on the overhead fan, opened up the windows and the doors a little... And started to play a game of double solitaire. You'll play. Red eight on your black nine. Black ten on your red jack. How many cards you got left? Well, let's see. Here's one, two, three. Hey. What? What's the matter? Listen. What I heard were footsteps way down the other end of the hall. But they weren't ordinary footsteps. The guy coming closer and closer had the row from one spur missing. Don't move, chum, because this time I won't miss. You know, I kind of thought that was you. Your other row's in my shirt pocket. Thanks. I wondered where I'd lost it. (laughs) You know, cowboy, you don't. Kill so easy. Maybe that's because you don't shoot so straight. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> right now, though, where you want it. In the front or the back? Funny thing, since it's you, somehow shooting us in the back seems to be more fitting. Suits me just fine. Turn around. Oh, no, you don't, buddy. If I'm going to get Better shot... Better do as he says, John. Okay, Gene, if you say so. Good boy. And now, so long, suckers. Oh, oh, my hand. My hand is broken. Yeah, don't worry about that. The oh. sheriff will fix it up in a sling. Nice and pretty. And Man, for a minute I thought we was goners for sure. Say, where'd that What's gun of yours come from anyway, Gene? Out of the sling on my arm, Johnny. Well, I'll be. What won't they think of next? Good friends and neighbors, as of right now, we seem to be long on wishes and short on time. But come next Saturday night over these very same CBS stations, we'll all be back again for another Melody Ranch party. So try and join us then, won't you? In the meantime, folks, go to the movies often. You'll always have a good time at your local theater. So, this is Gene Autry for Double Met, asking you to keep thinking of us. Until we're back in the saddle again. Yes, folks, next week at this same time, and on these same stations, the Wrigley people will again present Gene Autry. This is Charles Wise. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Gene Autry's Melody Ranch from June 9, 1951. 
That also had Pat Buttram in the cast, along with Johnny Bond and Barton Yarborough, sponsored by Double Mint Gum, as heard on CBS. Let's take a quick break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Peppermint. It's a drama that stars Jennifer Gardner as Riley, a mother who seeks revenge against the cartel that killed her husband and daughter. When she's able to positively identify the killers, the police are skittish, as the same powerful cartel killed a police officer. Fast forward five years to Riley, the victim, on a mission. Let's take a listen. Five years ago, Riley North just disappeared, completely off the grid. So she spends the last five years doing what? Training. Well, that's new. You honestly think Riley North did this? Today's the five-year anniversary of her family's murder. She's back. The director is Pierre Morel from the Taken movies. You know, those ones with Liam Neeson? Here's another clip. What do I want? Coincidence that makes this area low crime. It is low crime because of her. Maybe somebody's doing something. Find her. I don't care if you have to burn the city down. The bottom line, I'm way out. One and a half stars out of four. Wow, this is one of the worst movies I've seen this year. The script is not believable. No depth, even though Jennifer Gardner's performance is outstanding. The cinematography, uh, it's blurry. The film is vague, pieced together. And in addition, the violence and torture is totally pointless. I'd say skip it. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's The New Adventures of Michael Shane, starring Jeff Chandler. Then it's part one of The Halls of Ivy, starring Ronald and Benita Coleman. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.